Welcome to Screenshots, the podcast that offers a critical take on television, movies, and the occasional video game. I'm William Wright. Please join my brother Scott, special guest Pete Roth, and me as we present part one of our discussion regarding Star Wars Episode 7. But I do want to say welcome to our special guest, Peter J. Roth. Welcome, Pete. Longtime friend of the family. We were talking about this at dinner last night, 28 years. We met back in um, Adventureland Park when we were working there. I don't know whether we want to date ourselves. <laughs> but um, We want to stay hit, Bill. We're here in Iowa City. Uh, Scott came over from Boyne. Uh, Pete works here and lives here uh, just as uh, well as I do. And we're going to talk about Star Wars Episode Seven today, but we might talk about a lot of other things, too, because... Uh, this is uh, the first time in a long time we've gotten together like this outside of dinner last night, so we might reminisce about a few things. Very rare. Pete, uh, what I want to know from you is, Scott and I have talked on the podcast a number of times about Star Wars and our own experience with it. I don't really know, are, are you like a huge Star Wars fan, or were you when you were young? Was it Star Wars a big deal to you when you were growing up? Well, uh, first I want to say this is an honor to, to be here oh. with, with you <laughs> well, that's, that's nice distinguished to gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I have been friends with the right family, or I would say part of your family and you're, you're my family for 28 years yeah, so long time uh, Star Wars uh, <clears throat> I wouldn't say I'm a rabid fan I would say that I would be I would say an interested party <laughs> I, I don't well, tell me when you first saw it did you see it in the theater did you I did uh, I was uh, young probably seven eight years old and I saw it I want to say 11 times uh, in the theater <laughs> with, with my dad really yes wow. uh, I remember seeing it in Corville there was a drive-in theater here. My father lived in Iowa City. I remember seeing it down in Washington in a theater down there. And uh, I just, it was probably the movie that I saw that many times because there was no VHS. There was no, no. you know, family video at that point. So, <laughs> yeah, we went to theaters to see movies. Yeah, and if you were going to see it more than once, that's where you were going to see it. And, and you also had it in your mind that I don't know when I'm ever going to see this again. You didn't yeah. know when, it, when or if it would ever be on TV. There was no guarantee it would ever be on TV. Uh, you didn't really have it in your head, well, there's going to be a video out or anything like that. I was like, well, this might be the last time I ever see this. So when we saw it at the drive-in, because that's when we first saw it. A year later. A, a year after it was originally released, and it started raining, and we didn't even see the end of it. No. <laughs> you can imagine how frustrated we were, because we had no idea. In fact, and a lot of people tell this story about the Star Wars trilogy, a lot of people... The first time uh, they saw th uh, the first film all the way through was after they'd already seen Empire and, in some cases, Jedi, mm -hmm. because you know the, the, you couldn't see the original film on on um, VHS until after those other films had been released theatrically. So, yeah. so yeah, we I think we said that too that we saw all of Empire before we ever saw the entirety of the first film because we did. Yeah, we had to leave. Because we saw it driving, it was raining. But I, never, I never thought your point about when you saw movies back as when we when we were children. That was, you would go into a movie, that was it. There was no, <laughs> yeah. they didn't, re, you know, there was no other recourse, nope. other than the network channels. You were pretty much yeah. If, if you loved it, well, you better go see it again while it's still in the theater. And usually, you just saw a movie once. I mean, we saw Smoking the Bandit in the drive-in. Yeah, we actually saw that that summer that Star Wars came yeah. out because that's the same. But that's it. You saw the movie once, and that might be the only time you ever see it in your whole life, and right. that was it. Yep. But um, So you saw it 11 times, because 
is that because, uh, like you said, your dad was here and your mom was somewhere else? Was, was that the reason or because you really loved it and you wanted to see it that many Yeah, times? and don't hold me to that number. I mean, I, <laughs> I had that number in my head for years and yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, if my brother uh, Chris was still with us, he, he was more of the – he would be a more rabid fan of, of Star Wars. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was, uh, he was the um, – Because he read all the books. Right? He read the books. He was on a lot of forums. Wow, I didn't uh, he know was, that. I'm more of a sci-fi fan. You know, Chris really kind of locked into to Star Wars. and uh, But we – I still remember sitting in there and being scared, you know, scared of the Empire and scared of Darth Vader. I mean, I was, young, I was probably seven years old. At the time, and uh, nowadays, when my son sees Star Wars, they're all about Darth Vader and you know, very pro Empire, almost, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to back when I, when you know, because in, in our day that was you know, Vietnam was getting over and and uh, we, you know Watergate was get, you know getting wrapped up at that you know when you look back at the date in history, so yeah, different yeah. different environment when that came out. So, is your son a, a huge Star Wars fan or Cooper? Uh, Yes, he. Uh, I would say he likes all sci-fi too, oh. but he does sort of. Uh, he has been a, I think a clone trooper. He has been. A, he's been Darth Vader. He has all the lightsabers, and he does um, sort of. You know, it's cyclical with kids. What they yeah, you know, yeah. not, now it's sort of Nerf guns, but he's always seems to come back to Star Wars. Plus, with the Star Wars Legos out now, you can't hold yeah. a candle. I mean, yeah. they're, they're really appealing to a wide audience. Now, what about your daughter? Because Star Wars, lots of uh, little girls love Star Wars, too. And my problem, it's not a problem, you know, yes, I, I think they're trying to appeal to males and females. I get I get this sinking feeling that they're going to try to tie in like a Frozen princess line, <laughs> especially since Disney has it now, yeah, right. to start, um, um, which it may not be a bad thing, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I, I get nervous that they're going to try to tie that into... You know, when you're trying to talk about sci-fi, you really you kind of try to appeal to a certain mark demographic. Mm-hmm. There's a, you know, it's a very specific. Uh, it's male or female, but it's basically a certain age. Now, I think episodes one, two, and three try to appeal to the younger kids as well as older folks, the yeah. diehards. Yeah, and yeah. I, again, I just get a little nervous with Disney and the princess <laughs> and Fro- the success of Frozen and how that you know, how that really paid dividends for them. So, but but your daughter doesn't show any special interest no. in Star Wars right now. What, what is she interested in, just out of curiosity? Is it kind of typical girl stuff? Or? Very typical. Yeah. Uh, uh, dolls. Yeah. Uh, she is into the into the Frozen stuff. Uh, she does kind of like a little Nerf kind of every once in a while, too, because Nerf, Nerf is trying to appeal to the to females yeah, as well. Yeah, girls and boys. Uh, <clears throat> so is she into the whole Disney princess thing? or Yes. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that started right after they announced that Disney was sort of taking over was that, well, wait, now, is Leia a Disney princess now? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> when is she going to have her big coming out in yeah. Disney World like all the Disney princesses do? Um, but but anyway, that's another interesting thing about all this as, as we uh, talk about or get into talking about Episode 7 is the whole Disney angle. But um, um, So... But I want to I want to ask because you're wearing a Viper T-shirt. So were you a big uh, just out of curiosity? Were you a big uh, Battlestar Galactica fan when you were young? Yes, I was. Uh, again, Battlestar came out on TV yeah. when I was in the you know nine ten uh, about the same yeah. time. And Buck Rogers too. Buck Rogers, yeah. Get, Glenn A. Larson had a lot of hits that came out um, yeah. in, the, in that '80s area, and I yeah I ate them up. You know, of course I watched them again, and I really 
I can't imagine what they had to work with with you know CG. You know, they didn't, didn't have <laughs> yeah, any didn't, sort of that yeah. Stuff. And uh, I still I was just talking to Scott about Buck Rogers last night. I would really kill for someone to write a really good reboot of Buck Rogers to have it you know, release the accurate. Funny you say that because I wanted to do, be the guy who wrote that. I I had a whole treatment done about doing Buck Rogers. I had a whole thing, an idea for it. Now, I've used some of those ideas for a whole different story because the thing about Buck Rogers is that uh, there's a a small group or concern that owns the rights to it, and they're really protective Mm -hmm. of it. But uh, I don't know. Have you read any of the original Buck Rogers stuff, like the stuff that he wrote? No, I know, and that's something I want to do. Cause I, want, I, I think I'm going to try to start even kick-starting some ideas. It's good, because I think you'd like it, because because the original short stories that he wrote about Buck Rogers, uh, the, the angle here was that, um, you know, he he was trapped in a mine, and the, and the radioactive gases sort of preserved him, and so he was revived... Or he, he wasn't revived. He just woke up later. And um, the story angle here is that in the future, uh, the people who live out kind of in rural areas and not in the cities are oppressed by an invading force that lives in the cities. But they don't know how to fight. But since he was just recently a soldier in World War One, he knows how to fight. So he helps them. And so there's a lot of military tactics and military stuff in there. It is really interesting. Also, I don't know if you've been reading science news right now, but um, a lot of science news is full of material science, graphene and, you know, making things out of uh, 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 thin layers of carbon. Mm -hmm. Or uh, one thing I read recently was about uh, taking certain ceramics and uh, putting them together in in a lattice form, and you can make this material that, well, they think they can make uh, something that is like a balloon, but it isn't filled with helium. It's a it's a vacuum, so that it could float or whatever. But it, you don't have to put helium in it. But these ideas are in his original short stories too about materials that like uh, one of the things they have are these belts that are made of material that's lighter than air, so you can they levitate you. So I, I think you might like it. It's pretty cool. So was the original Buck Rogers, was that, was that a, a comic or was that a, was that a book? My understanding is they were short stories. So it was not a comic. It was a, almost immediately a comic after that. Yeah. And that's what it was for a really long time. And I, then there were serials, film serials, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then... Yeah, I seem to, when I see those old black and white pictures of... I sort of maybe am confusing Flash Gordon sometimes with Buck Rogers because it was you know some of those when they came out they were very well. Yeah, and Buck similar. Rogers is a total ripoff of of I mean sorry, uh, Flash Gordon is a total ripoff of Buck Rogers, but Buck Rogers is a ripoff of some other thing. Rip too, Van so. Winkle, and, yeah. <laughs> well, and, other, and several other science fiction things too. But see, Scott and I both sort of like that that Buck Rogers World of Tomorrow. Ray well, Star Wars is a aesthetic. ripoff of Buck Rogers yeah, and yeah. Flash Gordon. Yeah, 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 everything's a ripoff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ideas are... Battlestar Galactica was a rip-off of Star Wars. And the new Battlestar Galactica, did you like that also? You know what, I kind of did. I sort of had problems with, you know, because the, the TV series Battlestar, the Cylons were an alien race that created hmm. robots to hmm. serve them. Yeah. In the new reboot, the Human, Cylons... Humans made them. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I just hate that. When, yeah, yeah. When we, that's, a, that's a Terminator rip I mean, it, <laughs> it goes back and back and back. I mean, no, I, I get you. Or war games for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Okay, well, so, so, uh, George Lucas decides he's going to turn 
uh, Lucasfilm and its properties over to Disney. Not a real huge surprise. I mean, ever since the Ewoks, we pretty much knew that <laughs> George Lucas was in a Disney frame of mind. And, you know, it, you go down to Disney World and you go to the Disney MGM Studio attraction and there's Star Wars stuff there and there yeah. always has been and that's that's fine. Well, and, he wanted Disney to produce the first, uh, or he wanted Disney to carry the first Star Wars movie anyway, I think. I think he wanted to, wanted to pitch it to Disney. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, and you know, uh, Pixar was developed in Lucas's facilities in Lucasfilm, and then that it, Pixar ended up being something that uh, Disney picked up. So he, there's always been sort of that close relationship there, and so it wasn't really surprising that he did that. But of course, immediately after that happened, people were, you know, not sure what was going to happen with the Disney property. Uh, I'm sorry, with the Star Wars property because. Well, it's Disney. I mean, from the very beginning, Disney sort of has a reputation, even during Walt's time, of being kind of of taking established properties, sort of gutting them, turning them into something that would be more marketable. Uh, in one of the podcasts, you talked about you wanted to see uh, Saving uh, Mr. Banks. Save, did you ever yeah. see it? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an interesting film, and I don't know how historically accurate it is, but I think it does paint probably a fairly accurate picture of the way Walt himself dealt with new properties and how he was going to sort of change them and, and quote-unquote, fix them so that they would bring in audiences. Well, he made them more palatable to, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, to the audience. To, to families. Families. Yeah. Well, but, but in some people's opinion, the things he did to accomplish that di- didn't really serve the story very well <laughs> and sometimes made the story maybe not so much... Uh, uh, better for families, but better for kids in particular, and better for selling tickets, and better for getting people to come to his park. And so, although in, in Walt's day, nobody really thought about it that way, because the quality of the animation and the quality of the music and a lot of the stuff was so high, but then as time went on, and he was gone, and, and, and they were making new features, and the animation didn't really hold up the snuff, and some of the performances didn't people started to see, oh, I, I see what's going on here. <laughs> this isn't really great storytelling. This is marketing, almost all of it from the very beginning. And Walt was that way, too. So that's the way Disney's always been. Now, mm-hmm. that's fine. That's fair for what it is. But whenever a property gets acquired by Disney, people get nervous because they're afraid, what are they going to do to it? You know, Because when, when Episode One, The Phantom Menace, introduced Jar Jar Binks, <laughs> that's what everybody thought Disney would do to uh, Star Wars. Now, of course, Disney didn't do that. George Lucas did. But won't Disney just do more of that? And a lot of diehard Star Wars fans and longtime Star Wars fans don't want to see more Jar Jar Binks. Well, I never thought of that, but that makes a lot of sense. But Disney, for for a long time, too, has also wanted to try to go into the... break into all the markets, too, not just for the kids. Touchstone and other theaters that they acquired. That's a good point. And bringing in J.J. Abrams, who is not really known for kid fam or family friendly movies, maybe the the or the the bone that they're going to throw to um, the the universe to say <laughs> we're going to really try to make this not right, but you know when you said something about the studios, you know. I have, you know, when you watch the Oscars, you know, it's about the art. It's about the story and, and how this works. When it comes to movies, it's really about the bottom, the dollar. And, and that's sort of the unfortunate byproduct of 
capitalism. Yeah, right. right, I mean, right you know, right. so when you make a Star Wars, you're make, really you're, I don't think George Lucas wanted to tell a story about an epic battle between good and right and wrong. He wanted to make a buck. And <laughs> well, so yes, I mean, and, and as you go through that, you know, Star Wars out of all of them was made on the probably the least amount of money, and yet it still holds up to this day as. A great story. Now, that's interesting you say that, though, because there's a huge debate out there about Star Wars, okay? Because right now, you, I don't know if anybody can find a version of the original theatrical release of the 1977 Star Wars because George Lucas only wants people to see the altered digital versions of that film. He doesn't want anybody to see the original theatrical release. Now, there's a lot of debate about this because... Oh, in his mind, it doesn't even exist. Well, yeah. There's a lot of debate about this because the fact is the original theatrical release is an historical artifact. (laughs) That's the release that had a huge... Belongs in a museum. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's exactly right. That is the opinion of a lot of people to say, when you... When you, George Lucas, when you tell people they can't see this original theatrical release, you're taking away something that's more than just something you own, more than just your property. You're, it, it, it would be like, uh, it would be like, um, you know, uh, like Van Gogh going up to Starry Night and saying, "Oh, you know what? I have an idea about this. You guys mind if I cover this over?" <laughs> It, on one hand, you think, well, it's Van Gogh. He has a right to do whatever he wants. But on the other hand, no, this is what everybody knows as Starry Night. It's not just yours anymore. And and now this is this is part of the heritage of you know of a whole nation uh, of uh, Van Gogh's countrymen in the Netherlands and so on. And and so a lot of people feel that way about the original Star Wars. But but uh, I I don't even know if you can find anything like I think. Lucas went so far as like to destroy any originals or negatives or how, however he I don't know stuff why like why he would do that or how he could possibly do it because if you need to go back and make any edits then you don't have that original stuff anymore to yeah. uh, call from so I don't understand how he could actually have done that or even been allowed to do that by <laughs> anyone know. in his employee. I don't so, know. There's so know. many so much film without first you know when it was released to the theaters, there's so many of those can Oh yeah, they're out there. There someone has yeah. I mean the theater, the twentieth century Fox doesn't they don't they own rights to the whole Well distribution rights. Distribution, yeah. They find, they find old film all the time in some warehouse that's somewhere. True. That's, that's true. true. Yeah. But another thing is you're talking about making a buck. Holy cow. If if the original theatrical release was on a, a Blu-ray, nothing changed exactly the way it was. Uh, that would sell millions of copies. I'm telling you right now. And why wouldn't you want to make money off that? Well, and I think with the with Disney acquiring Lucasfilm, I think there was a lot of talk about. Well, maybe this is what's going to happen now. Maybe Disney knows that that'll make money. That'll make money. So surely they'll do that. And lots of people have made comments about, well, how come they can't just have Blu-rays with the edited version and the original sure, version sure. on them? I mean, Star Trek did it with the original series. Mm-hmm. I mean, I prefer to watch the edited ones with the new special effects, mm-hmm. but I like that I can go back and see what the original effects look like, and yeah. I do that from time to time. If I don't like the effects, yeah. I like to go back and, oh, okay, that's what that ship looked like. Yeah, yeah. Well, why can't they do the same thing? Blade Runner came out with a DVD or a Blu-ray set years ago, and it has five different versions of the movie. <laughs> I know. 
and Which, I can watch anyone I want. Well, and and um, in that case, I think the creator of uh, or the, the creators of those films, that's what they wanted. They wanted people to be able to look at all yeah. the iterations. They thought that was cool. They thought the, that was The neat. director's not upset about no, that. No, he, no. He, here, here's my version. Here's the other versions. You pick whatever one you yeah, want to watch. Yeah. Well, and also see how things evolved and yeah. look at the creative process, and that's kind of fun. You bring up an interesting point by saying that you know J.J. Abrams is going to be directing this film. Uh, he had a lot of success with both Star Trek films. A lot of Star Trek fans f- uh, felt really great about these films, in spite of the fact that it that goes a completely different direction in a completely different universe. I mean, you know, Spock's planet is destroyed. So many things have changed, and yet a lot of Star Trek fans are really enthusiastic about it. Um, but some of them aren't, obviously. But uh, my understanding is Abrams is is a huge Star Wars fan. I mean, he wasn't so much necessarily a Star Trek fan, but he's a huge obviously. Star He's a huge Star Wars fan, and that's making a lot of people happy because they they look at uh, what. J.J. Abrams has done with Star Trek, and they say, well, he can do it. I mean, you know, he, he's competent. He can, he probably could make a good Star Wars film. Will he? Well, he's a huge Star Wars fan, so maybe he will. Well, because he already made a Star Wars movie. It's called Star Trek. Well, that's true, too. That's another thing that a lot of people are pointing out, is that the plotting of the first Star Trek movie that he made was a total Star yeah. Wars ripoff. Kirk is Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was... Um Scott and I have talked about the J.J. Abrams universe of Star Trek many times. And, again, I if you have to label me, I, I suppose I would be a nerd or nerd-ish. Uh, and I, one thing that I know about science fiction fans is that they're very detail-oriented. Mm-hmm. Every detail counts. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of went in there with broad strokes. And Kirk's a, a cadet out of the academy. Now he's flying a star, which would never happen in any... In <laughs> right, any right. Navy in the world. So you weren't you weren't satisfied with the Star, Star Trek was, movies. Again, it was all flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was no substance to the to, to the CGI and people at blogs that made, you know looked like an they did look like, like an Apple store in, on the bridge. <laughs> That's right. The bridge. And yeah. Again, and, you know you don't even come out of the Salvation Army as a bell ringer and become the, the head of the, head of the organization. <laughs> But yet, Kirk does that, and that's not how that works. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Are you a big Star Trek fan, then? Is that, I mean, like the original series or Next uh, Generation? Or? I am an interested party. Oh, okay. I, I have not ever read any of the books, but I have pretty much seen most episodes of all the, the spinoffs. I've seen every movie. Okay, well, then just out of curiosity, you say you're a, a, star, uh, I mean, a, a science fiction fan. So what are you more than just an interested party a fan of? I mean, what... Just out, just out of you know, I, you know, science fiction kind of is a way for people to dream about the future mm-hmm. and to right wrongs that are happening currently mm-hmm. in our environment. So right. Star Trek, you know, back in the in the what 60s, 70s, broke down barriers of race and and uh, and uh, sexist, you mm-hmm. know, male female working together. Star Wars basically just took a good versus evil, mm-hmm. you know, uh, very. You know, fairy taleist type of a story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, um, new and old, basically just talked about how humans could get together under extraordinary times to pull together to save the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So science fiction is something uh, that we can dream about. And again, but so you don't find yourself getting uh, honing in on a particular story. You just like. Science fiction generally, how it's speculative and it and it explores things that you might not be able to explore in a, in a different way. Right, and it you know it sort of gives you um, 
you know, we all dream about the future. We all we all would say, "What if?" and, and well, "Where's my flying car?" <laughs> what, uh, what, is that Avery Brooks? Who said that Avery Brooks? Uh, huh? That commercial. Where's my flying car from IBM? You know, oh, IBM okay, commercial. Yeah. But I think all of us would would do that. And I think uh, you know, science fiction is a is a guilty pleasure because there's really no. We're not looking at a war film that people really died in, like Vietnam, mm-hmm. World War Two, World War One. This is sort of, uh, you know, that's why kids like it so much because they, you know, there's really no one getting hurt. You know, that's why I think Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica are just shooting robots now. So there's no, yeah. there's no um, um, ethics or morality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, but because you're not killing people or and, or other races or, or creatures. And that's why the stormtroopers had helmets on, and it, there was such a distinction yeah, in, in yeah, clothing yeah. and. That's why the imperial uniforms are very much tailored after Nazi Nazis. Ger- yeah, German, German, yeah, German. Right, uniform. right, right. Okay, well, so episode seven. Uh, we don't really know a lot about it yet. I don't. I mean, obviously, or, unless well, you guys, we're, have, we're learning more every okay, day. Okay, here's the only thing I know, which uh, is not very much, and that is that uh, several key people from the original. Movies are are going to be in it. Are coming back for it. Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, um, uh, to name just a few of them, and that's exciting. But we also know that, uh, in spite of that, in spite of the fact that they're bringing back some of these characters, they are not going to um, pay much attention to say the novels that came after Jedi. It's some novels that a lot of Star Wars fans really enjoyed. I, I did. Uh, for example. I was never a fan of Luke Skywalker. I, I thought in every single film there was something about his personality that totally graded, but I loved Luke Skywalker in the novels. Well, yeah, in the books he was excellent. badass. He was, he was amazing. Yeah. Um, Wasn't he? I just think. Yeah, he was very human. I, I, was, yeah. I was more a fan of Luke Skywalker when the, uh, in the novelizations. Well, and then when I watched the movies again, it kind of made me look at the character in a different way. Yeah. So I kind of became a new fan of Luke Skywalker in the film, but not as much as in the books. And, you know... Mark Hamill talks about his role in the Star Wars. It's like, yeah, I was supposed to be this really annoying kid in the first one, and I was supposed to be this arrogant guy in the second one. I mean, that was how he was directed to be, and that's what he was. And so it was brilliant acting on his part because I found Luke to be pretty much unlikable in every film for some reason. Mm. But in the books, uh, I loved the the character in there, and I liked a lot of the uh, things they developed plot-wise. Maybe that's why Anakin's so unlikable in the... (laughs) I don't know. But they're going to get rid of all of that, and a lot of fans are sad about that because there were a lot of things they liked about the books. Uh, That said, um, you know there are probably characters, main characters, who die in the books that they don't want to be dead in the movies. Like Chewbacca. Yeah, uh, that's my understanding is uh, Chewbacca in the novels was killed off eventually, and they probably don't want that. Uh, Well, uh, have they... um, I don't remember if... uh, uh, They have called back the guy that uh, played Chewbacca... Um, yeah, Peter, Peter Mayhew is making a return, and so is um, Anthony Daniels. Will will mm-hmm. actually we found out recently he will be in the costume. Oh, okay. He does not want it to be CGI. He doesn't want to just be a voice. He wants to be in the costume. And um, reports are that he talked to J.J. Abrams about it, about the suit, and spe- specifically about how it fit and and. Uh, They've designed a whole new suit for him, apparently, that is easier to get out of because that was his main complaint when he was playing C-3PO is about how difficult it was inside the suit. Mm. And so they've technology now has been able to create a suit that is uh, uh, more user-friendly for him 
and he's able to get in and out of it quickly, and he's not going to be in a tomb uh, eight hours a day. So Cause the thing about Anthony Daniels and his performance as C-3PO, extraordinary. I mean, yeah. my favorite moment, my favorite C-3PO moment is in the very first film that they made, you know, and uh, uh, the the attack on the Death Star has started, and uh, uh, Leia and C-3PO are in the command central or whatever, and they're hearing all the radio chatter going on about how the battle's going. And um, R2 gets hit. And C-3PO just he quickly looks at Leia, you know, but and then sort of slowly looks back. And it's like, there's no expression on this mask, you know, but it, you totally get this sense of panic and despair. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony Daniels came up with that idea of, like, quickly looking at Leia with kind of a... Like, he knew that people would read that as, oh, no. Well, you know? I think that's why he wanted to do it again, because he knew that that was valuable to the story. And I think J.J. Abrams realizes that, too. Oh. I'm sure that's why he wanted him to do whatever he wanted to. You know? well, it's, his performance is genius. Yeah. I mean... I, Without him, yeah, it, I mean, it, would be, it would be a lot different. It's hard for me even to think about how he, would, how he figured out that if he did that, it would have that effect. But mm-hmm. he clearly knew what effect that would have, looking away to Leia really quickly and then sort of slowly and sadly looking back like, wow, how, how can you... I mean, that's acting. When you can put on this this hard plastic thing and just by subtle motions, not even dramatic motions, but subtle motions bring out a performance that's as good as any human performance on the screen. I mean, that guy's a genius. Well, and I never really even thought about it because he does it so well yeah, yeah. that you don't you don't <laughs> think about it. You think, nope. oh, well, he's just he's an, a, a robot who's walking around and he has these kind of emotions, I guess. But, very expressive. Yeah, very expressive through the, the costume. So, yeah, that's going to be a great uh, <laughs> asset to the new movie. I think. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see uh, C-3PO in the, in the new film. Yeah. Um, is Kenny Baker going to... Yep, he's going to be R2 again. R2-D2, mm-hmm. okay. I, I wasn't sure about uh, those particular cats. Now... Yeah, everybody's back. <clears throat> but what about... Um, I, I keep forgetting the guy who uh, is in uh, Darth Vader's suit. Uh, oh, David Prowse. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I've heard that they hired somebody else to do that. But Why would he be in the... Isn't Darth Vader deceased in this one? Yeah, but they've been talking about there flashbacks. might be some flashbacks way. or something. Yeah, maybe it's flashbacks. That's probably what. That's it my is. understanding. That, that's what I would think too. I don't know why David Prowse wouldn't be, but well, but he had a falling out with. Lucas I think or something. he kind of did. Not and, that it would uh, matter with J.J. J. Abrams, but I told you in the past, Bill, that I've been reading the behind-the-scenes books, uh, Star Wars and Empire, so far, and uh, the Empire book that I'm reading by. Uh, J.W. Rinsler, I think is his name. Um, I'm sure our podcast listeners know who he is. Um, he, he stated that uh, Prowse was really bad about keeping secrets. Oh. And he leaked, stuff infor- about he leaked information a lot. Mm. And so I think that might have been a bone of contention with yeah. Lucas also because he was, he was the worst... Uh, person to keep a secret about anything. So well, and Lucas want, wanted nothing leaked about a film before. Right. And with Empire especially, th- yeah. that sequel really relied on it being totally secret because 
there was a lot riding on it. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. just put a lot of money into it. So they ended up giving him less material to work from when he was working because they didn't want him knowing he what was, was going just on. So he had a few pages and and you know Mark Hamill would have the whole script. So <laughs> well, <laughs> now they all leaked something, but Prowse was the worst. Well, the whole thing about Darth Vader being Luke's father was uh, they gave Prowse. I mean, he said something completely different. He didn't say because you're my father or whatever. Right. Uh, Mark Hamill was talking about that, that that that's not what the actor said. He didn't right. say. I uh, said something like maybe Obi Wan was your father or I killed or something. Some big revelation. He said he killed his father. Is what he said. He went along with the. Obi-Wan originally said that Darth Vader killed your father, so that's what he had. No, 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 what, what, uh, what, no, what, um, what Mark Hamill said was, that's what it was, what, uh, was that Obi-Wan killed Luke's father. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, maybe that was it. And then, you know, he responded, no, that's impossible. (laughs) And that's what, you know, so that's what he was acting to, was this, the accusation that Obi-Wan killed his father. Mark Hamill did know that. He was supposed to say that he was his father, though, wow. because Kirshner and Lucas took Mark Hamill aside. Oh, aside before, told him that's right before the that's scene right. happened and said, "This is what he really means. Yeah. This is what he's so supposed you need to, to say. act to that. You need to act to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he says that, you think of this. Yeah. But they didn't let the actor say no. it, no, because David he Prowse would not know. Because then he would go to a convention somewhere. And <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, you know, I'm his father. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, how much is leaking now about the film? Because, as I said, the, the, what well, I've said so the, far is all I know. So the I leaks know. they've had so far, I don't know whether you've seen this, Pete, but have you seen the photos that the aerial... Uh, yes. There was, a, there was a plane that went overhead? Uh, was it a... I don't remember what it was. Was it a, a, a flight, like a teaching flight or something like that, went over the set? And they got images of the Millennium Falcon halfway like a half-built version of the Millennium Falcon full-size, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a couple of uh, X-Wings. Have you seen that, Bill? Well, I knew they were building the Millennium Falcon full-size. I knew they were doing yeah. that. I don't know how I knew that, but uh, not from photos, like aerial photos. Or oh, something. yeah, that, that broke uh, last week or a couple mm. of weeks ago or something. Mm. I don't know how you keep a lid on it anyway with all the cell phones. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> and then after that, I saw that somebody had a drone that they put up and it was slowly rising, and you could see the whole set where all that stuff was. Yeah. And there are these big um, grass mounds, like uh, man-made bunkers or whatever. And I, they must be uh, long studios or something where they shoot things, and it's probably really quiet in there. It doesn't pick up any sound outside or something. I'm not sure how it works, but <laughs> that's where they were building the ships was outside that. And um, there's some speculation also about the Falcon that it has a different dish configuration on it. Um, because in Return of the Jedi, Lando broke the dish, broke off, the dish off when he was going through That's the right, desktop. he sure did. So they say that there may be a different configurated di- <laughs> a dish wow. on it. It may be square or rectangle-ish. And so if it is, <laughs> now people are speculating that, well, if that's different, they're going to come out with a new toy <laughs> and it'll have the different dish on it, and then you'll have to get that. Which is genius. Which is yeah, which genius. Is genius. <laughs> which I don't doubt that could happen. So 
That is hilarious. We'll see if a new Millennium Falcon comes out in a year. I don't typically like spoilers, but, I mean, you know, we might as well talk about any kind of plot leaks that you've heard of. or I mean, okay, like uh, like you were pointing out uh, in uh, a Facebook and or Google+, Plus, uh, you know, Mark Hamill's walking around with a pretty impressive beard. Yeah, he's looking uh, good. And he's lost some weight. Yeah. Looks like maybe he's trained or something. Yeah, he's, he's so so it, it's making people wonder, okay, so is he gonna be doing some serious Jedi stuff and he's got the beard, you know, so is, is that kind of part of the whole Jedi thing going on? Yeah. Uh, which is he gonna be doing some serious fight scenes? Things like that, but have, has anyone said anything, or has anyone heard anything about it specifically? Or well, how long again is this supposed to take place after? Thirty years, like okay. like so about the same amount of yeah, time the from the that has elapsed. Yeah, yeah. yep. It, I mean, it would have to because they are pretty old. So <laughs> yeah, what they look what they look like. So yeah, that's they, they look like how they would look, and they do. Um, I don't know what the plot points are going to be. The story's pretty well under wraps, I think. I mean, there's speculation about what could happen. I read something about Han Solo may be commanding a Star Destroyer in this one. He may have his own Star Destroyer that he runs around in. Well, I mean, it... doesn't sound like what he would want to do. No, I wouldn't think so. Except, except, I mean, he's a general in in Jedi. And I remember even when we first saw Jedi and he was a general, I thought... Boy, he's just getting deeper and deeper into this, and this seems to get be getting further and further away from his identity as a smuggler to the to the extent where he was not flying the Millennium Falcon in the movie. Yeah. So, I, I I can see a writer saying, "Well, let's just keep that trend going." You know, we're talking about thirty years here. He yeah. could easily just be an admiral in uh, well, in the new uh, the new Republic Navy. Yeah. Why wouldn't he be? Because sure. he 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 totally gave up the Falcon to be a general on some ground mission. On Endor, so you know why wouldn't he just keep going that route and become a? And that, that makes sense to me. It, it, it's not it's not the Han Solo that we like or that we want, but you got to admit it makes sense based on where it was going. Into, well, and that's probably into, why they're going to do these um, these standalone movies with the young Han Solo, so that you can get back to the roots of Han Solo with the smuggling days. I hadn't heard about that standalone. Yeah. What, what they're making new Han Solo movies. Well, they're doing. They're doing. I don't know if it's going to be TV or. No, they're going to be movies. I really. Yeah, that's what they said. You that's know, what I've heard. Well, because you know, would you Han rather Solo, they be TV or? No, I'd rather have the budget to, for a full feature yeah, yeah, film. Yeah, but yeah. we'll look at Guardians of the Galaxy. That was basically a Han Solo esque. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that screamed Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, with the Millennium Falcon. But yeah. you know, a pirate in an evil regime does that make the pirate good? Which is why I think all of us like. He was bucking an evil empire, mm-hmm. and uh, or technically just an empire if we put the evil on it. That concludes part one. Please join us next month for part two of our discussion regarding Star Wars Episode Seven. Screenshots is a production of Ether Theater. Music is provided by Chris Snook.